You are listening to the Journal of Rheumatology's Editor's Picks with Dr. Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief. Hello again, this is Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Rheumatology, welcoming you to the December 2023 edition of Editor's Picks. This this month marks the end of the 50th anniversary year of the Journal of Rheumatology. I hope you have enjoyed our special features and hope you'll continue to read and be informed by the Journal of Rheumatology for many years to come. This month, I will begin by speaking to Dr. Raphael Micaroli, who is the first author of an article entitled, Obesity Represents a Persisting Health Issue, an Axial Spondylarthritis, Particularly Affecting Socially Disadvantaged Patients. Dr. Micarolo will give you an overview of this paper. So what did you find? Yeah, so clinically, we were able to, to show what was previously known. So patients with axial spondylarthritis had uh, uh, a more active disease on, shown by various um, known measurements. And they were predominantly male, were older, had longer symptom durations, and had a higher count of um, peripheral arthritis, antisitis, and also um, objectively higher inflammatory markers in the blood, like CRP or ESR. And then regarding the comparison of the different BMI groups to the general Swiss population, axial spondylarthritis patients showed a higher obesity prevalence compared to the Swiss general population. So roughly 19% of the patients with excess spondylarthritis were obese, and in the general population, it was about 11%. So 8% more um, obesity in excess spondylarthritis. And there was a slight increase in the mean BMI uh, among excess spondylarthritis patients between 2007 and 17. And uh, we looked deeper into that, and um, it was in that mostly in females, uh, there was a rise of BMI less in males. And socioeconomically, obesity and exospondylarthritis correlated with lower education levels and higher prevalence of blue-collar workers. This means these both are, are a bit uh, hints that it actually were the more socially depressed patients which suffered obesity. And overall, there was a, a greater obesity prevalence in OXPA and mostly associated with lower socioeconomic status. Um, I just want to clarify for the listeners, when you pick, <clears throat> you weren't serially following the same patients. These are the cohorts at each time. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, just to so it's really, yeah. So it's possible that one patient in 2012 was also assessed at 2017, um, but it's also possible that these are different patients. Right, and people could have changed groups, but that's sure. Yeah. just to clarify. I hope you enjoyed listening to Dr. Micarello review the findings of the study titled Obesity Represents a Persisting Health Issue in Axial Spondylitis, Particularly Affecting Socially Disadvantaged Patients. 
I think you will also be informed by listening to the full interview and reading the full-length article. I also suggest that you read the accompanying editorial about this article entitled The Lingering Health Challenge Addressing Obesity and Axial Spondylarthritis by Drs. Brona Dinan and Finbar O'Shea from Trinity College, Dublin, Dublin, Ireland. Both the paper and the editorial are currently available at our, on our website at www.jroom.org. The next article to highlight is titled, The Safety of Jack Kinase Inhibitors, a Real-World Multicenter Retrospective Cohort Study, and is by Lanzi Lota and colleagues. The aim of this retrospective study was to determine the safety and efficacy of JAK kinase inhibitors, or JAK-I, and specifically tofacitinib, baricitinib, ubadacitinib, and flugotinib. The authors looked at 685 patients of which 92% female, from four centers in Milan, Italy. 48% of which received baricitinib, 31% tofacitinib, 14% ubradacitinib, and 7% phlegotinib, for a total of 1,137 patient years of observation. When they looked at efficacy, they found that retention rates at six months were similar for all the jack eyes and varied between 92 and 96%. At last follow-up, however, there was a marked difference in the rate, which varied between 66 and 93%. Authors found that retention rates were not significantly associated with sex any comorbidities or autoantibody status. When they looked at safety, 18% of the patients had what is described as an adverse event of special interest, which means a serious infection, which would have included opportunistic infections, serious bacterial infections, and herpes zoster infection. Also, venous thromboembolism, which was described as a serious liver injury, malignancy, or death. The overall rate of an adverse event of special interest was 0.11, per patient year. There were three deaths from serious infection. There was only one cardiovascular event, which was an ischemic stroke. Authors found that among patients who had a higher cardiovascular risk factor, there was a higher frequency of adverse events of special interest as compared to the rate seen in the total cohort. This paper It's important to read to get more details on the safety profile of the individual JAK inhibitors and to determine which of your patients may be at high risk 
of an adverse event of special interest. Sleep disturbances are commonly seen in patients with inflammatory arthritis. In the next paper, Grant and colleagues, in their paper titled, Sleep Problems in Patients with Psoriatic Arthritis, a Systematic Literature Review and Meta-Analysis examined this issue. They reviewed 36 eligible studies, of which 26 were cross-sectional, 7 cohort, and three interventional. The meta-analysis of six studies that used the Pittsburgh Sleep Quality Index revealed a prevalence uh, for sleep for poor sleep quality in patients with PSI of 72.9%, which was significantly higher than the 26.9% prevalence in healthy controls. But there was no significant difference in the prevalence of sleep disturbances when compared to patients with psoriasis without psoriatic arthritis. The papers reviewed showed the overall prevalence of self-reported sleep problems with patients with PSA at a very large range from 30 to 85 percent. Overall, the authors found that sleep disturbance was ranked in the top four health-related quality-of-life domains affected by PSA as described by the patients. Predictors of sleep problems included anxiety, pain, erythrocyte sedimentation rate, depression, fatigue, physical function, and tender swollen joint count. TNF inhibitors, guzolimumab and the JAK inhibitor, fluglotib, were associated with improved sleep outcomes. However, the authors reviewed, found that the lit, there were no studies in the literature that used objective sleep measures such as polysomnography or actigraphy. And there is no evidence that any of the studies used validated patient-reported sleep measure. In the discussions, the authors suggest multiple future studies that need to be done to truly address this issue. Obesity and depression are common in our society. In the next article to highlight, Connolly and colleagues looked at the interaction of these two factors in patients with early RA in their paper titled, The Combination of Depression and Obesity is Associated with Increased Incidence of Subsequent Total Knee Arthroplasty. They used a pearl driver, marinator, or Mariner Ortho 157 database to do their study. This database has information on 157 million orthopedic patients. They identified four cohorts, a group with neither obesity or depression, a group with depression but not obesity, 
a group with obesity but not depression. And the fourth group had both obesity and depression. Each group consisted of 274,403 individuals with a mean age of 55 plus or minus 7 years. Following the initial visit, they then examined the incidence of total knee arthroplasty within the first five years after what they were identified as an initial diagnosis. Compared to the control group with neither obesity nor depression, the relative risk incidence of total knee arthroplasty was increased in in both in both groups of patients with obesity with a relative risk of 1.23 for obesity only and even higher relative risk of 1.43 when obesity and depression were present surprisingly the authors found that the relative risk for total knee arthroplasty in the depression-only group was actually decreased at 0.94 as compared to control group. This article goes into further details about the comparison between the groups and the implications of the study for the management of patients with early OA. Importantly, they also outlined the benefits and limitations of using large administrative databases. The final article to highlight looks at the important issue of what factors can lead to a delayed diagnosis in patients with rheumatic disease. Zhang and colleagues, an article, article was titled Symptom Appraisal and Help Seeking among patients with autoimmune rheumatic diseases, a qualitative study. The aim was to understand the symptom appraisal and help-seeking experience among patients within the context of the current theories of help-seeking behaviors. Investigators interviewed 33 patients from multiple ethnic groups from their clinic in Singapore, 33% of which had RA, 15% PSA, 12% spondyloarthritis, 12% had Sjogren's syndrome, and other rheumatic diseases accounted for less than 10% of the patients each. The median age of diagnosed with total group was 52 years. The interviews were conducted face-to-face -face in the clinic in 79% of the patients, and remotely by Zoom, 21%. Median time of the interview was 37 minutes. They found that all three stages of symptom appraisal on help-seeking journey and symptom detection by the self and others, symptom interpretation, which is the causes, consequences, and actions required, and symptom response, which is no action, self-management, help-seeking from non-healthcare professionals, and help-seeking from healthcare professionals were observed in these patients. 
All participants shared that they had at least one symptom or bodily change relevant to their autoimmune rheumatic disease before they sought help from a healthcare professional. The majority of participants voiced that they had misattributed their symptoms to various causes, including environmental, psychosocial, or other issues such as aging, diet, overexertion, or another pre-existing conditions. Authors found that symptoms responses were grouped into four major categories. There was either no action, which was either ignorance or observation. Self-management was two. Help-seeking of a non-healthcare professional, such as a layperson, and of course, seeking help from a healthcare professional. The authors expand on these themes in this article and, and address potentially modifiable factors to improve outcome. An accompanying editorial titled Diagnostic Delay in Autoimmune Rheumatic Diseases, a Global Health Problem, Doctors Rosanna Quintana from Intraregionale the Ephraimides Autoimmunes e Rheumaticas from in Rosario, Spain, Maria Fernandez Ramirez Flores from the Faculty of Medicine, Universidad Nacional Autoimmune de Mexico, Mexico City, Mexico, Uris Fuente Silva from the Department of Medicine, the Universidad de Orienta, Bolivia, Venezuela, Bolivar, Venezuela. And Ingris Pelas Belisteris from the Hospital de Mexico de Eduardo Ritenga in Mexico City. The, these editorials put this article in the context of existing theoretical models that were developed for disease other than rheumatic disease, specifically cancer and mental health. They outline the unique issues that need to be addressed to develop a care-seeking model that encompasses the diversity of rheumatic diseases and specific issues such as pain as an initial symptom, body changes, and the other issues as described by Zhang et al. In addition, they outline an approach based on the need to create cultural sensitive health services. This month's Panorama 360 Degrees Rheumatology is an article by Dr. Sander Van Leuven titled, Are Patients with Systemic Sclerosis Subject to an Increased Risk of Developing Superficial Erosions of Atherosclerotic Plaques? In this article, Dr. Van Leuven reviews the vascular biology that leads to atherosclerosis and how chronic inflammation as seen in systemic autoimmune rheumatic disease patients, including systemic sclerosis, will lead to atherosclerosis. The image in rheumatology this month describes a 56-year-old woman with a five-month history of a progressive deformity of her nose and recurrent nasal obstruction. Her only complaint was chronic joint pain of greater than a year. 
On examination, she had evidence of a saddle nose deformity and palmar plantar pustulosis. A PET scan showed uptake in her nasal cartilage, her left sternocostal cartilage, and in the thoracic aorta. Anca testing was negative, as was testing for syphilis. A diagnosis of relapsing polychondritis with palmar pustulosis was made. She was treated with prednisone and methotrexate, and at six-month follow-up, her joint and skin lesions had resolved. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and encourage you to read not only the highlighted articles, but all the articles in the December 2023 edition of the Journal of Rheumatology, either in print edition or in the online edition, which is available at www.jroom.org. This month, we conclude the 50th anniversary year of the Journal of Rheumatology with a goal of continuing to provide cutting-edge articles to inform our readership for many years into the future. The special article section for the 50th anniversary for this month concludes by featuring the Duncan Gordon Award-winning papers for the years 2019 to 2022. These were deemed the most influential articles by the journal's editorial committee. I encourage you to watch the interview that I've had with the author of the highlighted article of this month, but of other months if you have not previously viewed them, or even if you have. They are available for viewing at our website and on YouTube. If you have any comments or questions on these highlighted articles, please send them to the Journal of Rheumatology at Manuscripts at jroom.org. Of course, this holds for all articles. Please join me in the new year for the January 2024th edition of Editor's Highlights. I wish you all happy holidays and a good 2024.